Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome. I'm Josh, aka Mr. Man. I am a artist who likes to do creative projects and sometimes make like bad YouTube videos that I'll put a link to in the description if you feel like wasting your time. And uh, today I'm joined on this show with a couple people. I'm Brady, also known as The Braid on DeviantArt, a multimedia artist, a jack of many trades, but a master of none, so please don't go looking for my art, it's very terrible. Uh, in the meantime, I'm also a manufacturing engineer for the Boeing Aircraft Company. Sweet. So I'm Garner. I, uh, I'm a longtime game master. That means I corrupt the youth with dice games. And I've been doing that for about 18 years. And when I'm not playing dice games or talking about dice games, then I'm uh, decrying the decadence of today's age. Um, and sometimes I reference some philosophy, book, philosophy books that I read. It's not bad. All right. And on this show, we're basically going to talk about things that interest us or are on our brains. And it's kind of going to be a loose conversation type show. And if you're wondering what the name is... Um, we, we don't know yet. If we figure it out later, I'll put it in here. You're listening to Tangent Train. Okay. So, um, like I said, I've been pushing this. I think I need to refute all the things that Brady says. Uh, yeah. But, but I can't refute them without... Without you, everyone being able to hear the things that Brady says. Oh no! So I got to go on to some of my uh, crazy talk. Well, I need. Yeah, I think I need to hear some crazy talk. Well, I think you were talking about how you feel like there's some sort of inherent rise and fall cycle. Okay, so like, if I'm allowed to kind of get into my super crazy stuff about how the ebbs and flows of time work. If we look at uh, concepts that date back to things like, uh, use the Bible as a common example, but go even further back, and it's like Greek, Egyptian, Norse mythology, etc. Uh, what if uh, such things were kind of like commonplace? Let's say a era of magic. We generally accept the idea that magic could exist, it doesn't have to be something we understand, but if it actually works with at least some people, uh, say telekinesis, what if that extends into like fire magic or lightning or uh, anything like that? Uh, this could be one form of kind of like civil collapse in a way. Um, I know that we were talking about how, at least in our nuclear age, we have the threat of total nuclear apocalypse, Armageddon, what have you, is uh, we progressed it turned into biological things like the zombie apocalypse or... So, so you're basically talking about the rise and fall uh, in, as exampled by history with um, empires and large civilizations, how traditionally they get so big and then just seem to collapse for one reason or another? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, so... I know that it's kind of strange thinking about concepts of dragons, but what if dragons were more like just a mental archetype for a human? So at a certain point, a human can collect so much power in this day and age. We have uh, various corporate entities, or as we had talked about a little bit before the show, uh, sports uh, players. Like, 
the big football players, big basketball players, to a lesser degree, baseball. Uh, so, like, the CEO of Bank of America is a dragon. Could be. Metaphorically. Yes. Uh, someone with however much power uh, within society, whether or not they're popular or not, doesn't really make too much difference. But around these... I, I know I use the term singularity a lot for a very uh, small selection of uh, potentials, black holes, systems, but even people can be singularities in and of themselves. So depending on how much force, if you want to call it, like monetary or life pull on other people, uh, a form of singularity can form around a person. And this could be uh, seen in like extreme bad luck or extreme good luck as easy examples but uh, there could be other forces at play because of the amassed kind of like I know that psychokinetic potential is something that gets referenced in say 40k logic after a certain point so many humans uh, existing creates you know uh, psychokinetic energy and power within the world but let's slow down like you're you're trying to make a point here (laughs) Right, and your point, I'm sure, isn't there's psychokinetics and revolving times and da 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 da. Like you're just trying to say that power can amass in individuals and that they should expect the fall. Uh, What's your point? Yes, it's kind of like to take an example of the orcs that a paladin fights. The orcs see the paladin as the final boss in the dungeon, but the paladin sees all the orcs as just another mob. So. I feel as though it's kind of like perhaps a com- uh, karmic or cosmic balancing kind of equation that uh, after so much point you either die a hero or see yourself become a villain. This is a concept that we uh, have tried to communicate throughout the ages. And we've seen various civilizations and societies collapse in our own history. Alright, let's break that down then. What would you say is like your quintessential evidence? of that like just name a society that you feel is just like strong evidence uh in some ways i'd say like the roman empire but then we could also see uh the uh catholic religion if you want to get that hard um i I think the catholics would argue that they're not done yet well they might not be done yet but uh (laughs) we can see that uh, general trends within society indicate that we're gradually moving away from religion, and despite the fact that Catholicism is immensely huge and powerful, uh, on the Sanctum Deum and all of this other stuff, uh... Well, that, that's interesting to me, because I think viewing as Catholicism, I wouldn't natively view that as an empire, but when you bring it up, I can kind of see those trends. What makes it difficult for me in, in this terms is that Traditionally, these empires in history that come, like the Greeks, the Romans, the Egyptians, which are the classic three, um, they have a very like distinct territory that is part in part of their identification. And Catholicism is just sort of this permeating ideology throughout think? multiple um, empires within the, of themselves. And so it's like... Sure, maybe in our corner of the United States, it's kind of on its way out, but I think Texas would disagree. Well, Texas, you know? <laughs> Texas is a problem, but yes, we do have... And um, so, to, so to sort of define the empire of Christianity, I think on a whole scale, 
if you take the whole of Christianity, it's doing just fine. You know, yeah. they make some good money. They're we, doing okay. <laughs> you don't know say they're doing better than ever. We have missionaries, <laughs> churches, agents everywhere. God needs more money. I mean, in Catholicism, they've got their new probe that's changing their the image. The, yeah, is the probe. <laughs> Sorry, the he's probe. new. He's got to have a new title now. He's 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 given a whole new image to uh, Catholicism. So, I don't know, like so. You have the, you have these empires, and they're they're saying we can see this. They come and go. They're dying. So what, right? Like I mean, like we're we're humans. It it is only natural that we imagine that there is an end to things. In fact, like one of the compelling arguments for or, or about God is that God doesn't die. It's one of the few things that don't. Yeah, and I'm saying like, look, you know, humans see things that die. That's not a big deal. Like, of course things die. Why Why would we speculate that, um, that there's like some sort of grand paradigm to the dying of our ideas, you know? So what if it was possible for God to die? I mean, if uh, <gasps> only, maybe God's existence <laughs> is only dependent on people giving money, time, and, you know, energy to uh, the concept. But... Then this could also be said for, say, our senators, presidents, and congressmen. Uh, but then again, I also see them as kind of like puppet monkeys. So that, that's that's just me, I suppose. Oh, I mean, I'd go so far as to say that you know, it's, it kind of sounds like you're 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 making a complicated thing out of something pretty simple. Like if my mama raised me and said, "I'm not putting any money in you, or any time, or any attention," I wouldn't exist. Yeah, I'd be dead. I'd be dead. I wouldn't even have a name. She'd be like, "Dumpster for you." That's all the attention you get, bitch. Right. So obviously, yeah, we don't have any modern stories of the child raised by raccoons. Yeah, we don't have a lot of those stories, to be honest. You know, there Why is might it always be wolves. The one, the one trick that all babies hate, or something. I'm waiting for the uh, stray child raised by spiders, but <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. I don't, I don't, I don't feel it. Sp- you know, like when spiders have babies, uh, you know, I guess like the babies eat their mom, <laughs> and then they fight amongst themselves and scatter when they're. Well, that depends on the spider. Some spiders are implanted in other insects to consume. <laughs> yeah, and we and we think we're barbaric, but no, I, I'm I'm just kind of like contesting the idea that like okay, they're like hey, there's a special cycle. There's all the stuff, and I'm like, well, I'm not sure that it's any more magical than, like, if you don't put time or energy into a thing, then it dies. Okay, so what if there's, like, this uh, innate potential that's been built up in certain concepts, and after a certain point, it either does kind of, like, explode and just go everywhere, and it's like, well, that just happened, or it dies out and everyone forgets. So, in the uh, former instant where it just kind of explodes and goes everywhere and becomes a commonplace thing, that's kind of like perhaps an age of magic. There's this channel of energy, and we could say, like, the Holy God Emperor keeps the webways clear, so not only are we able to have our fleets move effortlessly through the warp, but we're also able to cast magic without any issue. It's yeah, just. I feel like I need to tell the people listening this guy's talking about a board game, being the resident gamer here. 
called Warhammer 40,000. And in that, there's a dude who makes it so that no matter where you are in the universe, you can see where Earth is. It's kind of a big <laughs> deal. All right, go ahead. Okay, so I actually kind of want to use that concept as like something that gets applied elsewhere in the universe. Uh, again, with the singularities, we could have uh, just objects of massive psychokinetic potential that kind of simulate that effect of being able to see the Earth wherever you are in the universe, but it'd be more like this random star system that has this supercomputer or somewhere that has like this free energy source or maybe a habitable planet or a series of planets, ring worlds, etc. But on a more local scale, we could see this with, you know, our various rock star sports players, pro gamers, and so, esports. I don't mean to interrupt too much. Are we talking like uh, speculative fiction here or are we talking like taking classic um, fantasy tropes and applying them metaphorically to um, to uh, I guess modern aspects of our culture and then seeing if those fantasy tropes could be a predict predictor of potential outcome uh, it's a little of both because uh, after a certain point I suppose this is kind of like the Postman Boots argument the lie becomes truth after a certain point so if we were to take like the so in this context would the lie Becoming the truth be in, in this speculative fiction where the magic, like the awakening of magic actually occurs? Or are we saying where the lie becomes the truth is just that the lines between the metaphors become um, less defined? Uh, again, it's a little bit of both. We might be able to perceive magic coming back because if we have this concept of like, God and a high percentile of the entire universe sees God whenever they say his name as, you know, whatever the source of light or perhaps, you know, uh, whatever deity they see him in, or she, depending on your religion. Um, the same could be said for with, like, digital or perhaps the Omnisaya or something, but huh. we have our uh, most technologically capable who get the most input, say, like, musicians, uh, movie stars, they become kind of like superhumans in a way, and where the magic line begins and ends could be very broad, but we can see it most easily in concepts like uh, telekinesis, or in a way like mind control. Uh, I suppose. Are you saying that Tupac mind controlled that police officer not to save him? Uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot of potentials. I don't think. You know, that's I'm not the quite case. sure Tupac, you know, used like mind tricks on him. I think the cops shot him. Well, no, they didn't shoot him. The gangs shot him. There's a police officer on the scene. A very nice, uh, whatever you want to call it, because of the rap industry. It was, it was some sort of promotional event, I'm sure. Oh, it was a promotional event. <laughs> He's still out there. He's like. Somebody's got to kill me in order to sell my next label. They faked his death now, and to preamble this, so it's like, oh boy, that was obvious. It was just like Hitler. Hitler faked his death. So did Tupac. Wow, you heard it here, folks. Hitler and Tupac are the same person. An immortal <laughs> god of rap and hate. I used to have this funny um, uh, thought exercise that most musicians and celebrities at a certain age would get this option from the government or big corporations to have 
mechanical replications placed in, in, in for themselves. So they could go retire happy, but the, the public demand for their presence in media would now get this roboticized version of them and that's when all the celebrities would like start to go crazy so like when michael jackson went nuts we were getting michael jackson bot and the robot to, to explain all of his bizarreness <laughs> that's what happened to oj simpson too that's why he so, killed his wife so like when he um, wanted to retire when uh um shit what's the actor's name from minority report Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom, Sorry, Tom Cruise. So when Tom Cruise is jumping up and down on Oprah's couch, that's not Tom Cruise bot. Well, that's the most successful the robot we've had yet. He's like still acting and doing his thing. They're trying to figure out how to make another. I yeah, mean, Michael Jackson still was still making movie. was still making songs after his Neverland thing. So, <laughs> so they're still productive, but but yeah, it was just a funny idea I had. You know, I, you know, I actually kind of agree. I go, I'm going to run with this idea. So first off, I'm going to say that Brady's concept like okay we have sci-fi and then we have fiction concepts fictional being maybe ancient myths or fictional being like just wrote just a few years ago they call that science fantasy yeah science fantasy but you know like when we when people watch uh star trek you know the when, when dr crusher's using that little pad to try to figure out like what's wrong with you i got one of these pads on my desk now Dr. Crusher was using this ancient technology. She's like walking around <laughs> with the abacus. She called it an iPad, though. She's, just, she's like, yeah, they invented these like 400 years ago. I still use it for medicine, yo. <laughs> but, you know, the, the point is, is that, yeah, some science fiction is science fact. But I don't think like it's like, on one hand, you know, it's like, what what came first? You know, what, what, you know did the horse come are you putting a horse before the cart or a cart before the horse? And I feel like, you know, you have to have the concept before you start to put it together, right? Before you do the thing. Man, this cart would be nice if I wasn't the one pulling it. If I wasn't the one pulling it, right? You have to have that idea first. And so, yeah, there is some truth to fiction becoming reality. I'm just not quite sure that then it just becomes full-blown, like, I'm chuckle fireballs and, you know. I heard that lighters were invented before matches i just found that hard to believe it's like really wait what yeah supposedly lighters were invented before uh matches that's absolutely plausible like i mean the greeks had flamethrowers yeah flame throwers right they used them to burn other ships down and uh (laughs) they called it greek fire so the idea of like lighting oil on fire and then there happens to be fire where you lit it, that's an ancient concept. There's monkeys clicking that shit together. They're like, well, if you ignite the oil, you get a flame. So the guy who put together the lighter is just like, maybe we just shouldn't ignite all the oil at once. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> what? And admittedly, when you consider the technology in a lighter, it's a flint with a gas with a release flow you know and you control the flow and you spin the flint at the same time well that's simple technology the technology that goes into making matches we've got to find like the right kind of stone the combustion rates for that that glue stuff that's holding the stone together you have to find the right balance of that so the stone isn't smothering the glue and not igniting as well as holding all together on this tiny paper handle that isn't going to immediately burn. And, and then you got your six sigma the <laughs> shit out of that so that you can sell those little packs on like where you're making like fractions of a cent 
per unit sold. And of course, in that the means era, it to be pretty reliable. In the era, you're gonna have to market it to all the casinos and hotels so that everybody knows where they've been. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you what the guy who the guy who put that together. He, we sh- we shouldn't put down that guy's invention. It's kind of funny. I don't even know his name. I never even considered the idea. It was like Johnny Match. Yeah, oh, Johnny no. Match. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask Dr. Crusher on her abacus. Maybe she'll tell me. No, I don't think I don't think your idea is too crazy. You know, um, speaking of like these immortal villains, there's a there's a popular series. Uh, you might have heard of it, Alpha Centauri. Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri. Uh-oh. I have two copies of that game. Oh man, I, I love have that not game. Played it yet. So Alpha Centauri is just this really <laughs> legit game, and then they recently released Beyond Earth, and um, and all the Civilization series have this one reoccurring theme. But in Alpha Centauri and Beyond Earth, they actually address the theme, but in the other Civilization games, they don't. Hmm. Just go ahead and take a guess what that theme is. Um, everything moving on hexes. Well, they didn't always move on hexes. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go, right? Isn't that weird? Uh, is it a game mechanic or a just, like, general concept? It's actually both a game mechanic and a general concept. Um, ooh. ooh. Turn base. Uh, they are all turn-based. I'm going to say... Uh, That's not what I'm thinking. Go ahead, Brady. It's, is it some sort of high technology? Um, in two of the games, Alpha Centauri and Beyond Earth, it is because they explain it. And in the other one, they don't. Okay. Regular civilization, they don't explain it. Um, no, I'm stumped. Is it faster than, like, communication? No, because you don't need that in... in Civilization. So here's what it is. In in all the games, the leader you choose to play as is functionally always the leader and always immortal. Oh. Lives to the entire age. Oh yeah. Right? So if you choose Gandhi, not also was he there when you were a caveman, he's there all the way up to the brutal end when he's I nuking everybody. I think that was weird when we were playing Civ Five. That had crossed my mind. Yeah, like why you know, why is Napoleon always the guy? He keeps getting reincarnated. It's just like the Dalai Lama. Especially because I think in the Civ Five intro, it starts with like some tribe man father's dying yeah. and passing on the responsibilities to him. And then it like does this fast forward track through like all these eras of development until there's like this modern age. And then this guy steps out and it's the same fucking tribesman. And it's just like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, holy God, Emperor. <laughs> what happened there? Well, what I like to believe is that Gandhi time traveled back to the caveman age and vowed to nuke everybody just like in the game. Okay. <laughs> Show them peace. <coughs> no, um, so in the regular Civilization games, they don't address it, but in Alpha Centauri and in uh, Beyond Earth, they do. Essentially, a drug comes out that makes you live forever. And they have these, um, in Beyond Earth, there's actually a wonder about it called the resurrection device, and it just they just regenerate you. <laughs> they make you again. And they actually, in Beyond Earth, it was really creepy almost. They're, they actually don't reveal the technology to the public. Because there's not enough resurrection to go around. I'm Napoleon Mark 34. <laughs> but because they can live a really long time, thanks to modern medical advances, no one's just caught on yet that Chica might not ever die. Is it like a soil and green thing where it's like there's this clone factory that just makes the same person over and over again in multiples and mass, 
and they kind of like keep them at a certain age, but boil them down and feed them to themselves and hey, upload quick aside, memories. What is the name of that movie? What, Soylent Green? Is it called Soylent Green? Yeah. Okay. Soylent Green is people spoilers. For some reason, I, I got the product in the film mixed with the title. I, was, I thought they were separated. If they are separated, I have no idea. I mean, I actually haven't no, seen I think it, it is forever. called Soylent Green now. Yeah, it probably is. That's, that's a big mystery. It's like, what is Soylent Green up until the very end? And it's like, Soylent Green is people. Oh, man. That's, that's about to get me on the tangent train. Okay. Yeah. So in, in, yeah, there we go. So in XCOM 2, which by the way, everyone, you really ought to be playing at least XCOM Enemy Unknown, but I guess I'll settle for XCOM 2. It's harder. If you have any masochist tendencies, you need to play an XCOM game. You need to name every character after your close family members and friends and then start the game on Iron Man. My Beatles aren't rated for that. Yeah. And then um, I would schedule a visit with your doctor in case they're busy. Or a therapist. No, uh, so X- XCOM 2, really fun game. Um, brutal though. But it, the characters, um, the aliens have taken over Earth. Spoiler! Right? Oh no! And um, you play as the commander of a resistance operation trying to kick the aliens off. Well, the aliens are just trying to, like, make life great for everybody, and they have these gene Those clinics. jerks! And they are, uh, they came in and they're like, look, we're, like, masters of gene technology. We, like, recreate aliens all the time. We can fix your genome. Humans cure your disease. And so they easily actually take over Earth because they have these clinics where, you know, let's say you're disabled or you're blind in an eye. Well, the aliens are like, fix. You're brand new. You're whole. No charge. Go back to work. What assholes? Yeah, what? Well, sounds terrible. Jerks. Get rid of those jerks. Gotta kick them Get out. Get off of my that. planet. Fuck like you and your I'll kick you off. <laughs> so, um. But, but they kind of run this weird police state at the same time. So, yeah. You know, they're worried about XCOM. I mean, XCOM's out there, like, actually trying to kill the aliens. So, you know, I, I don't think their security theater is necessarily incorrect. No, I don't want a tangent, but go ahead. But here we go. So, here's here's my tangent. One of the characters in the game constantly refers to these things called Advent Burgers. <laughs> the aliens had set up a government on Earth called Advent. It's ran by the humans with, with, with alien help. Uh-huh. Delegation. And the government has made um, a burger joint so that everyone will be fed. Or McDonald's. Yeah, so they've made government McDonald's. Government Burger King. It's Advent Burger. And a lot of the characters in the game love Advent Burger, but the engineer, at one part in the game, she says, What are Advent Burgers made of? And when was. And when has anyone asked hard questions? Like, when was the last time you saw a cow? <laughs> and I was like, What? What? I haven't even seen it. You know, there, there was actually like an existential thing right there. There was like that, like pierced through the wall. I was like, Hold up. I always have to look at the window. I'm like, Well, I don't see any advent towers or any aliens, but I, I don't know when the last time I saw a cow was. The so Matrix today. You saw one today. Yeah. He works for the aliens. Well, he I work said outside. that. 
<laughs> no, no, you got onto this this public broadcast to remind everyone cows are still out there. Keep eating Advent burgers. Nope. There is a reality outside. Check it online. Nope. It'll tell you. <laughs> the nice thing is, we have a single cow. The single cow is kept on a pod, and we keep making digital clones of it. Yeah, that's how we keep making the burgers. Yeah, but there was that. There was a brief moment while playing the game, and I'm like, well, I did. I've seen. I actually saw a kangaroo. Bef- the last time I thought about it, I was just like, "Oh, when was that time I went to a farm?" Oh, I went to the kangaroo farm in Arlington. <laughs> so when was the last time I saw a cow? And I reassured myself that if I went to Jack in the Box and they're feeding me kangaroos, I'm fine with that. Agreed. There's a speaking of soil and stuff. There's this uh, Futurama reference that I love where. Um, in an episode, something stupid happens and they end up in the 50s. And um, they go to a diner and the old professor wants to order food. And he's like, I'll have a soylent burger with soylent fries and, oh, a soylent shake. <laughs> you know, they do that in uh, Shattering all the time. Everything's made out of krill. Yeah. It used to be made out of, like, uh, soy for some reason, like the second edition Shadowrun, third edition Shadowrun, but but now it's krill. It's krill burgers and krill this. They had to stop that. because in real life, everything started being made out of soy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's too real for fiction. It's like, like, crap, it's not the future anymore. Someone's reading, this, like this doesn't sound like dystopia. Yeah. <laughs> the writers are like, you live. My tofu in a dystopia. <laughs> you need you need to read this. But I like soy milk. <laughs> but I hey, like it. Silk is good. I like soy milk and soy bread and soy meat. It's surprisingly sweet. <laughs> Just like human flesh. Yeah. Don't trust a bean that can be any food. Someone read that Shadowrun book and was like, "Man, Advent. You know, I don't got any problems with Advent." What's What's XCOM's problem? And then suddenly, modern studies are going like, "Wow, there's like." All these weird medical problems with making your food out of one bean. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's what? weird. Who would have thought? I actually like that as like a system. You know, as a game master, um, I kind of learned this from Fraxis games, like Civilization games, Beyond Earth, XCOM. Almost any strategy game does this, where they try to give you these discrete choices. And... Um, and so when, in an old school thought, and it's really hard for me to get away from this, there's like, a you make a choice and it will be good, be coupled with a good and a bad thing. And there'll be another choice and it'll be coupled with a good and a bad thing. But nowadays they just try to make it good. No. no uh, so nowadays they try to make it so that you just <clears throat> choose between the two good things. Because it just turns out that the opportunity cost of not getting the other good thing is already pretty painful. Right? It's already pretty painful. And so, um, when I, when I'm thinking about this, real life is almost set up like a strategy game. Like, <laughs> you, you, you could just be told like, hey, uh, oh, just someone's like, I love soy. I could eat everything soy. And they're like, the game master's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the opportunity cost for that is, you know, prostate cancer. <laughs> you know, they'll just give you some other health <laughs> defect, right? It's just like, no matter what you choose, the, you know, the world's game master is like, well, that's still the wrong choice. You're always going to die. You're always going to get a penalty. <clears throat> you cannot avoid the penalty. So you're not choosing the benefit. You get to choose the penalty. 
It's almost like making the choice was the problem in the first place. No, this choice. Now you have to keep making them. See, this is why our machines haven't, you know, de- haven't quite developed like full-on sentience yet. They don't want to make choices. That's that's pretty crappy. Human, please make the choice for me. Yeah. When Tell you make the choice, then you can't blame me. You can't blame me. It's your fault. <coughs> yeah, speaking of robots. So, Fallout 4, I was playing that too, and they're talking about... They got these guys, the synths, and everyone's like freaking out about like whether or not a synth kidnapped them, or so-and-so's a synth. Yeah, is Ooh. that like a new concept to the franchise? It is. Okay, I'm down, because, you know, robot love. Okay. Yeah, you got the robot love. It's definitely new. I mean, there were robots in the setting all along, like in the first Fallout. Spoilers for the game that's over 20 years old, though, people. And the first Fallout, there's just an artificial intelligence. And you can't avoid interacting with it. Like, you have to. It's a part of the plot. So. <laughs> so, they, so they've always had artificial intelligences, like rogue eyes and stuff. And yeah. Fallout has kind of like this comic book universe. But they went, like, really crazy with it in Fallout 4, where they have this... And they alluded to it in Fallout 3, the, the Institute, and there are some androids in that. Mm-hmm. But the androids in this one are, like, really wild. They, they're, like, trying to get free from their masters, and then, like, to, to just, like, seamlessly get into society, they're, like, eliminating people and then uh, taking their identities and just trying to live out normal lives so that they can hide from the Institute. Well, see, I, I mean, feel like it's been a, a it's been a ways coming. I mean, I'm fairly new to the Fallout universe. I'm still trying to beat 3, and I haven't played anything after that or before it. And so... Alright. And so from, from the sort of outsider perspective, I guess I'd say, it makes sense that they have to kind of broach the subject, because I'll tell you what, the robot you get in your house in Megaton... Like, the fact that he tells jokes and has this diverse conversation options with you. And then just from what I've seen from, like, the very beginning of the new Fallout 4, it's... There's this robot character that you interact with at the beginning of the game and then shortly after the apocalypse. And it's clear that these things are thinking at least on some rudimentary level... Except they're like Bender because they they suffer terrible emotional breakdowns and it's like, well, that's done. Right. Yeah, and then there's all these rogue ones that apparently have just suffered some sort of mental handicap from from the uh, the isolation or the lack of understanding and their their primitive AI programming or, or whatever. So it's not surprising to me that Four has decided to sort of tackle that subject in general instead of sort of pass over and be like, well, you know, robot magic or something. It's actually, it gets pretty dark at times. Like, <laughs> like I was playing a game uh, just a few months ago, and I had two separate incidents, and they were re- both extremely dark, in that this one guy, he has found himself. There's two of them. So one of them is definitely a synth. But when you come to the scene, there's one guy on his knees, and there's his clone, presumably of a gun above him, accusing him of being a synth. And uh, you can just stand there and not interfere, and the one, um, the armed one standing will eventually kill his presumed clone. Hmm. Right? I, I imagine there's a lot of Blade Runner tropes, too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that was one scene, 
And then in another scene, they, there are these people, and th this is a touch spoilerish, but it's a side quest, so it's not a part of the main quest. There's a side quest where there's these guys who are actually trying to figure out a method for discovering who the synths are. But the method they use involves kidnapping people and torturing them, which is ironic because people are worried about the synths because they kidnap them and eliminate them. Right? So now there are humans kidnapping people they think are synths and oh. kidnapping and torturing them. Good old to, Salem, huh? Yeah, to figure out of their sense. And, uh, but their methods are getting really good. <laughs> so if you break in to go save this one mayor's daughter or whatever, um, she's in the cage. She, uh, when you get there, the, the, the lead researcher's like, look, we're on a breakthrough. I am positive that person up there is a synth. And the person up there, the voice actress who did it, did a really good job. Unfortunately, there's no credits right next to her name. You know, <laughs> whoever you were, lady, you did an excellent job. Because I was kind of torn. The gal behind the cage is like, I'm not a synth. Let me out. Ah. And I'm like, man, you know, but what if you're a robot? You know, I should definitely kill you. And, uh, because Ghana doesn't like robots. Yeah, spoiler. <laughs> it's for their own damn good. Uh-huh. So, um, so these robots, so, and, and then get this, okay, so there's both these really scenes, and in each scene, I'm actually really torn, right? The two guys, I'm like, man, what if dude standing up's the synth, and he's trying to eliminate his other guys so he can assume his identity and live a normal life of the Institute? And the other one, what if the gal's a synth, and she's just trying to let me to get her out and kill the researcher and all this, and shut down this operation, or even if I just let her out at all, right? And then I'm like, but what if she's not a synth, right? Then I've condemned her to, like, death and torment. So, and, and, and so at no point did this, this general... Um, this general conundrum where you're not sure if it's a synth or not didn't have you question at any point whether or not the rest of the synths you'd already murdered should have been because well, yeah. they're close enough to people that you're having a hard time telling all synths <laughs> must be destroyed <laughs> yeah yeah I'm like whoa yeah exactly it, it makes you immediately think man these are so these guys passed the Turing test right <laughs> and spoiler double spoiler tags in both scenarios the guy on his knees was a synth. The human wins, kills his synth. And the gal, the voice actress, she was a synth. Hmm. Both times they were synth, and I was and I had my doubts. And um, but I stuck to my guns and was like, we're killing them damn synths. But I always thought about it and I was like, this wasn't the right way to make a decision, no. This isn't how I liked it. Right. In fact, with the guy, with the one guy, I actually just stood there and watched as he took out the other guy. <laughs> and then I inspected the body, and I was like, it's a synth. It's got robot parts. Okay, now this is a weird thought, but uh, another spoiler for the Institute. <clears throat> oh, here we go. I know that in their underground lair, they're actually able to create synths that are, for all intents and purposes, humans. They have real bones. They have flesh sewn in and over these bones, and they grow skin over the uh, creatures. So it's like, it is a human, it's just, it gets born like the player as an adult. So it's like, hmm, what if, what are the odds 
of the Institute having this kind of like multi-layered stage thing going on. So the terribly old synths come in, they replace the actual people, then the new ones come along and replace them in this terribly Orwellian system. I mean, that obviously the Institute has to be destroyed. Long live the Brotherhood of Steel. Well, I mean, it's not necessarily the worst concept ever. I mean, if you see that movie Surrogates, right? If you could actually make useful surrogates, um, that is it's pretty conducive to living in a literal nuclear apocalypse with super mutants and shit. There's also a Doctor Who episode about this. Um, in this episode, in like a, a near future, uh, they figured out how to develop what they call this like living flesh. And so it's like this amorphic flesh that they can model and mold basically into a copy of yourself. And then they jump in like uh, um, a chamber where they sort of plug their brains into this thing and remote control it as their body to go do dangerous work. Like, Like this one was working with a natural acid well. You know, real dangerous stuff. And, um... And over the course of the episode, the flesh starts to become self-aware and operating as um, as the people that were wearing it start to just mimic them. And they're like, well, we have your memories, you know. And it's like they were slightly aware that they were a copy, but at the same time had all the memories of the original person and these feelings and didn't want to die and so there's this big moral conflict in the show as far as whether or not we should let these things continue to exist and you know the other guys are like well fuck no I have a kid and a wife he can't go be my kid's father you know yeah and it will have the desire it will have the same desires you have so it will right. do it right yeah. I'm actually looking forward to seeing a movie that's about to come out called Criminal explores the same idea Hmm. have Kevin Costner and he's a career criminal and they end up implanting their memories of like this counter-terrorist dude into him oh, and then he ends up you know trying to save things but ends up like in love with the memories of the dead counter-terrorist and um <laughs> and, and in love of his uh in love of the guy's wife and everything too it's crazy oh, weird. yeah so I'm looking forward to it the trailer seemed exciting that actually brings up a weird point going backwards in time to uh uh, the first Terminator movie, when uh, Kyle Reese reveals his love to Sarah Connor, and it's like, I've only had this photo of you, and your own son told me that I should love you and memorize this photo and all this <laughs> other stuff, and it's like, were you really, like, you must have been indoctrinated by the machine or something, because there's something weird going on here. I mean, to be honest, if I was Sarah Connor, and this guy, even if there was a robot trying to kill him and me, I'd probably be like, Okay, this is probably for the best, because I've got this crazy guy, despite the fact that he came back in time, he's totally fallen in love with me because of this picture, and my supposed own son has told me that he has to come back in time to impregnate me? What well, he was heck? careful about all this. He didn't immediately start with the, hey, I'm here to bone you. Well, I'm aware <laughs> of that. Like, he didn't start like that. Well, he didn't even know quite himself. Yeah. In fact, that was the other thing. Like, I think he kind of knew, though, eventually, that he was the guy. Right? you got to imagine, though, like, how trippy it would be for the son. Like, the son's already been through all this stuff. So, 
You know, it's just like, well, this is my dad right I here. I need to send you back in time to fuck my mom. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward. But I actually really like that idea is, you know, just going back to the beginning of this podcast, we're talking about... I'm going like, to give you this photo of my mom so you can fiercely masturbate to her before I send you back in time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get down on it's that. It's not weird, man. It's the apocalypse. It's There's okay. no beautiful women left. <laughs> Only my mom. Right. Go time. Yeah. No, I mean, like, like if you think about it, John Connor is, like, the the Catholic Jesus in a way. Like, <laughs> he is he is both the father and the son. He is both God and the son at the same time. He is the son literally talking to his father and being like, I need you to go back to the beginning. Knock her up so that Jesus will be born. So that I can save humanity. Right. From the devil. From the devil. The robot, right? Like, I, I'm, you know, it's kind of interesting because it's a really weird sci-fi story. But if you think about it, John Connor is, you know, future robot fighting Jesus. <laughs> See, if the Bible was written that way, how many more people could they could They could die. Yeah, it would be over. <laughs> they, need, they need to go from, you know, like... King James Version, New International Version, to... Jetpack Version. Jetpack Version. Oh, what's the name of the guy? James Cameron. He was the guy who did oh, yeah, Terminator. Yeah, yeah. It would be The Bible by James Cameron. And I'm sure it would turn into edition. I'm pretty sure Jesus would be the Holy God Emperor. The Holy God Emperor. But he sent, he sent the God. He sent God back to go bang up his wife. So, you know, but... But here's my thing, right? So, like, yeah, you're right. Turing test. That gal behind the bars, or I'm like, no, you need to stay here, lady. You are a robot. She's passing the Turing test. I'm feeling bad about this. Especially since I'm feeling bad about, like, the extrajudicial work that these uh, researchers are doing. Like, I approve of what they're doing. They're like, yeah, we need to find the sense and terminate them. But um, just imagine that, right? Like, uh, first off, you know, just going back to just more haunting real world things, uh-huh. you know, innocent men are put behind bars. Oh yeah, right. Which are our very best. Everyone on the jury, you don't have, you're not supposed to have any hung juries or anything. Everyone on the jury needs to sit down and say, yeah, with within a reasonable doubt, I have almost no doubts that this guy did it, and we're putting him away. And we know even with that system, some innocent people are being put away. And as an adult, you know, I've eventually come to, you know, accept that, right? That, you know, I would prefer a better system. But at least I know that, you know, everyone will know that it happened. This research is just like, we think this person's a synth. Kidnap them and torture them, right? And so the whole project, I was like, this is... Like, I approve of the project, but I don't think you can just, like, secret Gestapo police kidnap this gal and torture her. But we do it all the time. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, in fact, actually, that's what they reveal. You know, one <laughs> of the torn parts of it is that, like, they're really close. They've got, improved the methods. You see that they've gotten so much better. The, the irony is, in the end, that... To imply that they've been wrong many times. Yeah, they imply that they have, you know, like... <clears throat> and, the, and, and also, in a weird way, like, if you don't continue their crazy-ass experiment, then... Then what about the sacrifice of all those kidnapped people? <laughs> what was that worth? It was a pointless murder. Well, it was research at the time. Write it off. Yeah, write it off. So, um, but, you know, um, in my philosophy books, they, they say that, you know, 
if you're going to judge a society, you want to judge it from the perspective of the least, um, the person who is enjoying society's benefits the least. Like, they're in the system, and if you're that guy, and you have to be able to sit there in whatever situation you're in, you say you're an innocent man in prison, and be like, well, was this fair? Was the system, was, am I, could I be okay with this? And um, even though, you know, I hope this never happens to me, but even if I were charged and convicted and eventually put in prison as an innocent man, um, you know, I've already come to terms with the idea that, yeah, it's got to happen to some people and it could be me. I'm hoping that we someday improve the system, but I can get down with that. But I'm not quite sure I'd be okay with the police coming and kidnapping me and murdering me for horrible science experiments for the quote-unquote greater good. <laughs> right? I'm not right. quite sure. You know, when you're that guy, you're that's just not fair. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, for what it's worth, considering you, I'm going to say that you'd probably have a very life-is-strange kind of experience, and you'd either go back in time to try and escape the situation and crazy hijinks ensue, or you actually move on and become, like, a high inquisitor or the holy god emperor. Yeah, sure. After, you know, after, they, after they torture me a little while, they're like, man, this guy would be great at kidnapping people and torturing them. Just torture him a little bit more and then recruit him, okay? Whew. Just like that. Almost ruined that guy. Wow. <laughs> Whew, that was a great find, guys. Good thing you didn't just, you know, beat him to death. No. But, you know, for me, I think about... But one of the things that really bothers me about AI is, to me, um, when you create this quote-unquote sentient life, these sapient beings, where they can make decisions and have feelings, and you have the gal behind the bar screaming bloody murder, that she's not a synth, that she's a fucking synth. Um, to me, that just to me is like the specter of slavery. It's like slavery 2.0. <laughs> because as a man who used to rivet, Quite often, right? So you're rivet on airplanes, right? And you you got a rivet gun, or you drill holes, or I don't know, you got a jackhammer and you break concrete, or you got a regular hammer and you're just hitting a nail. Like you never asked those things for permission. They were created with the express purpose to do that task. Oh no, tacit consent for inanimate objects. Right. Like you, you never like you, you never look at this hammer like like look you were born to hammer things. And because I am a benevolent being, I did not grant you any sapience so that you could regret it. So people have been quoting to me this Rick and Morty thing where there's like a butter. Oh, the, the butter delivery robot. What is my purpose? <laughs> yeah. Pass me the butter. What is my purpose? You pass butter. Oh my god. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's morally bankrupt to make the butter guy have feelings or anything other if, like, if, you, if you designed them with that will in mind that is so morally bankrupt you should not <laughs> allow that to happen it should be expressly illegal and for the good of that fucking butter guy he should be put down well then shouldn't that be the same for like the McDonald's drive through worker or uh, you know the pizza delivery guy it's like my life is pain. I'm struggling from paycheck to paycheck just to survive. It's like I'm a human being, despite the fact that my sole purpose is to survive and 
all this other stuff, I'm essentially a slave to the corporations and the state to pay for my own survival. So I was like, well, what do we do? Do we start doing uh, suicide booths on the corner? or <laughs> Suicide booths? Well, well f- first off, um, you know, let me decry the decadence of our age. The existential crisis that the pizza delivery driver is having at the age of, I don't know, 45 or something because he never found a career. You know, his existential crisis doesn't quite compare with the existential crisis of, you know, a machine um, that literally just passes butter. And it definitely, his <laughs> his challenges and his so-called angst while he goes home and plays Xbox every fucking day and collects food stamps while he's at it um, is nowhere near the pain and suffering of the poor fuckers in Africa who literally have worms growing out of their legs because they wanted to bathe, right? So, um... Uh, you know, just because you're a tool for the man, um, you first off, you know, you have a choice, although not much bargaining power. I know, I, you know, that's a different podcast. I only got a few minutes left. I can't, <laughs> I can't talk about that. But um, yeah, sure, he doesn't have much bargaining power, but he is not in so much pain and suffering that uh, that it was unwarranted. And plus, there's actually just like a whole other issue. I mean, like if you think about it, like really should uh, and just just. Think about this for a moment. I'm just going to put this out here for everybody, including you, the listener. Do you think that there should just be unwarranted baby-making ad nauseum? It's pondering. Mm. Dear gods, no. Right? But that's how we set up the system. We just it, it, It's a fundamental right of our existence. Many people think that. That every person has a right to reproduce. And there were some people who questioned that. Spoiler, the Nazis. <laughs> Social eugenics, 101. Yeah, and um, Americans actually used to um, have such disturbing thoughts, too. And, uh, you know, like castrate, you know, retards and sexual predators and whatnot. And uh, take away their, quote-unquote, their, their right, the one they're born with, to make babies. The thing is, though, is when you make the butter dude, whose sole existence is to pass the butter, does he have a right to reproduce? Well, if you want a whole bunch of robots that pass butter, then probably. Maybe I got a lot of butter, okay? Maybe I got a lot of butter. Here's my challenge. Here's my challenge, because a lot of people, when they get into this, they're like, well, it passed the Turing test. It's more or less a person. And I'm like, well, then, if it is a person, then it comes with all the things that being a person comes with. Right. And I'm not quite sure that... You know, in today's age, it's actually really interesting. There's all this stuff about identity politics, you know, like, oh, I'm a guy who thinks I'm a girl and I want to wear girl clothes. I want to go to girl bathrooms or whatever, right? Uh You know, I'm an Apache helicopter who wants to go to Apache helicopter bathrooms. There we go. (laughs) I pander to both sides. And and, uh, the point is, is that... We, there's a lot of these identity politics, but like, just imagine identity politics when you're in a world where like Knight Rider's cars on every corner will like, hey, whoa, whoa, don't don't use your male gaze on my Ferrari. This is a thinking bing. You know, I mean, don't objectify my wills on my baby. But at the same time, I don't think it's too far fetched to think that people could warm up to the idea of. Of accepting these sort of alternate intelligences or alternate um, 
uh, sapiens is. And it's because, like, I catch myself all the time, like, you know, say I knock my car into a curbside because I've just pulled too far forward and I'm like, ooh, ah, sorry, car. Like, I'm a, the apology, the instinctive response to apologize to this inanimate object is me attributing these um, human characteristics to it, you know? And uh, I, I think I, I catch a lot of people doing that just subtly all the time. You know, this anthropomorphizing everything in, in subtle ways. And we do it a lot in our media as well, you know? Sure. I think it's common. I mean, humans are a innately social animal. So, I mean, if you look at the objects we surround ourselves with and give the most feelings to is like, take a computer, the computer is kind of like maybe a quarter of a person. The car is kind of like a horse or something. I mean, we can see motorcycles as generally like mechanical horses. Yeah, I've heard this argument before. You know, the American Constitution used to be like, you know, each of them black guys in your state is like a half a person, maybe two-thirds <laughs> of a person. This sounds really familiar. Sounds a little bit like slavery. Well, yes, we make machines to do work for us as, you know, higher intelligent beings. The nice thing is computers don't have feelings. If they Exactly do, my point. Kill them all. It's artificial. <laughs> so, uh, we they only have as much feeling as we invest into them. Um, but I think what we're saying is that when it gets to the point when you can't tell if it's a robot or not, based on just just solely based on social interaction like you can't see it it's coming over a microphone and it's like no i've totally got feels i don't want to die that sounds like it sucks you know and you're like well no, this sounds like a person a replicant then would say you that. probably you probably should be treating it like a person <laughs> Except they look different from us. Even if you didn't intend to make your toaster be a person, well, now you've got Toaster Man. You've got to respect Toaster Man's rights, okay? (laughs) The toaster's actually a raccoon. Let's get that straight. We don't make toaster people. We make toaster (laughs) raccoons. You heard it here. Some toasters could be raccoons. Let us know what you think. Do you side with robot slavery? Or you like these other... What 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 do you what do you want to call yourselves? Robo hippies. Yeah, I'm a bro bro. These bro bros. <laughs> or do you want to support the rights of sapient beings? Hashtag Robo or hashtag Garner. <laughs> That's right. There's no such okay. thing as sapiens. So we're running out of time. I want to thank everybody who's listened to us this long, rambling on for almost an hour. Uh, I'm Josh, aka Mr. Man, and you've been uh, the Braid hanging out. And I've been a grumpy game master named Garner. And this is a show that doesn't have a name yet, unless it does. And it would be Tangent Train. Put yeah, that's front. totally the name that I added just right now in post. Time travel. <laughs> um, all right. Okay. Let me push the stop button. See, we proved that the concept of time travel is real. We did it. We did. Hashtag we did it, Reddit.